0: Yo, and hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Moynihan, this week, every week. Welcome to the show. We are getting caught up. I missed an episode last week. I apologize for that. Uh, Real life gets in the way a lot of times for cards. And so it just, sometimes it just, episodes don't get done. But I am preparing for a time coming up where I'm going to be kind of out of commission having a minor shoulder surgery but i'm going to be kind of out of it for a few weeks and i'm I'm getting some episodes in the bank in storage for you guys so i can release them uh weekly so that you guys can keep up with golden age of cardboard with some great guests lined up it's going to be super fun and today's episode is going to be uh pretty awesome it's uh with one of my best friends in the hobby and not just in the hobby but outside of the hobby one of my best friends and it's uh it's great to talk with uh guys and and what brought this episode up was in my mind i was talking uh it's andy by the way you guys he's been on the show multiple times but andy and i were talking off camera obviously and just going through stuff cards and talking about a collection that i had recently bought and there were we were talking about pre-war players and in the collection that i had bought there was some things like these awesome who's who in baseball magazines this one's from 1930 i've got an awesome one here from 1937 with lou gehrig on the cover and stuff like that got me thinking about these pre-war players that are largely ignored underappreciated whatever term you want to use for them they're just not collected like I, sh- I think they should, given their place in history, given their place in the history of the game, what they accomplished in the game, all those kinds of things. And I'm not going to turn this show overall into a pre-war show, although I know there's lots of you guys out there that ask me all the time to start doing stuff on pre-war. This is still going to be a primarily uh, golden age of baseball and baseball cards topical show, but... I I thought this was an important point, and Andy and I were kind of spitballing through some players and things like that. I'm going to bring them on now, and we're going to get this party started.
1: Hey, Andy. What's going on, Mike? Um, I I heard you say you've got some really good guests coming up, and in the meantime, we've got me tonight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you qualify as a really good guest. (laughs) And I I think you've been on the show more than anyone else over the three years I've been doing this
1: possibly yeah
0: can't believe it's been 3 years almost
1: that's a long time man i you know are you surprised that it's lasted this long
0: yeah i thought i would run out of stuff to talk about
1: honestly. yeah i honestly like that was that was kind of the main concern that i think i had as well but you really start to like notice that there's just so many topics that i mean it's never going to end right the topics you could always find something else
0: yeah vintage is such a broad term maybe and and it encompasses so many things including pre-war and i've i've been intentionally not talking about pre-war for this you know during the history of gold nature cardboard because it's a whole nother world right
1: it is for sure um and you know i've I've talked about this with with several people before including yourself and the the fascinating thing about pre-war is obviously there's you know crazy stories and then secondly like with the cardboard itself there's still there's still a lot of unknowns like whenever whenever a new set gets released now you know the checklist and everything you can possibly get in it before it ever comes out but there's still car there's still checklists that they don't really completely know from pre-war era and it's just fascinating when they still find new cards like it's just it's cool I find that
0: also very cool, by the way, that that is true about pre-war. Um, you've got candy issues, tobacco issues. I mean, if I someone could do a pre-war show only on pre-war and have years and years of content talking about all the different things with pre-war. So, but it, again, you and I were talking about what, what brought this episode upon us was, you know, us discussing some of these players that I think, to me, it's so silly that a brand new prospect who's never played a game can have rookie cards and other types of things, cards that are worth 10x what some of these pre-war players are worth. And it, it just, it, I've said it before, this isn't new, right? This isn't a new phenomenon. This has been going on as long as there's been baseball cards. But it still fascinates me. It's still perplexing to me. How do you feel about that idea?
1: Yeah, I mean it <laughs> if you look at some of this stuff, like obviously it doesn't make a ton of sense. And I'm sure like, you know, there's gonna be people in the comments that are gonna be like, Oh, you know, kids today they don't know who any of these guys were. They only like to collect the players they can see, yada yada yada. You know, we've heard all that stuff before. But it is it is fun to look at these guys and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a card really fast before we and this guy is not on my list of players necessarily but i think this is neat because so this is a Zena mickey cochran and i talked about this in the video where i showed it but this card right here this was before he was in the major leagues he's in the pcl so if if you're a modern collector this would kind of be like a bowman's first of mickey cochran right. which is kind of cool that they have stuff like that like you know there's a joe dimaggio where he was in the pcl and tons of other guys so um not that people were looking at prospecting, obviously, in the way that people do today, but it's kind of fascinating that if you wanted to, you could have done that back then.
0: Well, you mentioned that kids don't know who the old players are. I open a if I opened a pack of Bowman, I wouldn't know who any of the players are now. Yeah, because fair. Most of them are never gonna make it. And we're talking about like literally what, what my encouragement and hope that people get out of this video and and podcast is that they go out if they hear a name and that one name, we're going to, we're going to go through 10 players. I hope they hear one name that they go. I want to go learn about that player and maybe even be inspired to buy a card of that player because I've learned X, Y, Z about them, about their story, about their career, about something, because there's a lot of fascinating personalities in pre-war. There's a lot of uh, just amazing baseball. I mean, if, we look at, we're going to look at some players, and if they had a player today with similar stats as some of the players we're going to mention, their cards would be unaffordable.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at some of these guys uh, and the way they started off in their rookie year, and you just kind of like sit back and try to imagine, like if they were in today's world and they started off their career like that, what would like their – first Bowman auto be worth or they're super tractor, you know, like it's, it's crazy because you see these guys that are selling for like, you know, 15, 20, $50,000. And some of these guys, they're selling for that before they've even played in the major leagues. And uh, I mean, there's, there's some fascinating stories for sure.
0: Well, I know that we're going to have some fun with this again. I hope everybody either learned something is reminded of, Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy or something. Um, because it, just, just bear with us. I think you're going to enjoy this. Andy, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to let you pick a player kind of from that era that you think is just underappreciated, under, under-collected, whatever, in the hobby.
1: All right. So the, the first guy that, that comes to mind for me, and I, I wouldn't say that he he's not like super cheap, but if you just look at his accomplishments, it's Grover Cleveland Alexander, and it's like – he just kind of like you look at his numbers like he had three years in a row where he won over 30 games. and that's not happening today. no some of some of the stories about him and kind of what held him back even was you know he had he had alcohol problems as you know was fairly common with a lot of the the players back in that time but he also suffered from seizures. And, you know, there's one story where he basically just collapsed on the mound and they had to take him off the field, took him back to the locker room, and they thought that he was just, like, having alcohol withdrawals, right? But he actually had a seizure, and he actually came back out and finished the game. (laughs) These these guys, they were just – They were cut from a different cloth, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. To use uh, terms that the young people would understand, he was just built different.
0: Yeah. Here is a 1940 play ball. I'm going to use a lot of 1940 play balls because it's such a great set that encompasses both current players at that time, playing day cards of DiMaggio and Ted Williams and greats like that, Bill Dickey, and then – old timers in 40 play ball that weren't in 41 play ball. And so I actually, I love that part of this set. And one of the reasons, and I think it's important when you bring up like Grover Cleveland, Alexander, everybody knows Christy Matthewson, Walter Johnson, you know, the list of players that most hobbyists really collect and focus on. It's a very narrow list, right? It's like seven or eight guys. Maybe you could name Cobb, right? Ruth Gehrig, no question. Um, again, Walter Johnson pitcher, the pitcher's Walter Johnson, Christy Matthewson. Outside of that, there's a lot of, I think, and I'm gonna use this word in a positive way, but ignorance to the greatness of these players back then. Um, anything else about Alexander? I know he I, I love the story in the baseball thing where he came back and pitched for the gas house gang, you know, the Cardinals and won game seven.
1: Yeah, you know, or, or you know, some crazy story there, yeah. And I think uh, this might even be on that 1940 play ball card, but you know, they they call him old Pete, yep. So sometimes you'll hear people refer to him as Pete Alexander,
0: yep. Pete Alexander, Grover Cleveland, named after you know the, the president,
1: yeah. Um, is kind of cool
0: and grover cleveland got into the hall of fame in 1938 so he was is that the third class
1: maybe the fourth. Um, i think was it yeah i think was it 36 was the first year is that right yeah,
0: yeah i think so so yeah. he, he's up there um wow i'm trying to think who i want to do who would be
1: like a modern day comparison for him because when i like obviously I never saw him pitch, but just when I look at his numbers and stuff like that, wasn't like the biggest strikeout guy. So I think of him as like a Greg Maddox type guy back then.
0: Yeah. Pitch but these guys log the innings too, you know. Um yeah. that's another thing. These guys just ERA was incredible though. Yeah, what's <laughs> his career ERA? Do you have it pulled up?
1: I don't I don't have um I don't have baseball reference pulled up.
0: I'll get it pulled up.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, pull it up and you can kind of like see like his Career war and stuff. Pitched for
0: twenty seasons. By the way, he won three hundred and seventy three games. His career war is one hundred and
1: nineteen. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, pretty insane. And like I said, he had like that three year stretch where he won over thirty games three years in a row. But look at his ERAs in some of those years.
0: Two fifty six was his ERA in nineteen fifteen for the Phillies. He was thirty one and ten with a one twenty two ERA. If a pitcher did that today. (laughs) <laughs> he had 36 complete games. <laughs> he started 42 games.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously, um, like, you know, this is this is something else that somebody's gonna say in the comments. It's like, you know, he could never do that today. And then I mean this all this stuff is not apples to apples, but baseball is such a numbers game, so these numbers are still fascinating. Well, to me, war is apples mm-hmm. to apples, right? Because war compares
0: player how good were you against the average player of the era that you, right. that year, you know, each year it's a year to year. Your war is based on, you know, your cumulative, your war for that season. And then by, by a byproduct, your cumulative war is, is all compared to players of that era. So he was crazy good. His rookie yeah. season, he was 28 and 13. If a pitcher
1: went 28 and 13 today in their rookie season, God, i mean yeah it's it's crazy so and and then you know the stories that go with these guys like that's that's what i really encourage people to look up when they are look there's just so many crazy stories like stuff that would never happen today
0: yeah um okay again we're only doing 10 there's a lot of guys that we could talk about and uh we're gonna include pitchers and hitters in this i'm gonna bring up a guy that I think will be an easy discussion for both of us. And that's Jimmy Fox. And I think Jimmy Fox it, was so good. He was so, he was part of some amazing teams, which certainly helps, uh, but he was, he was the best player on some amazing teams. Uh, he was part of the, the Philadelphia A's, the Connie Mac years, you know, the hundred thousand dollar infield he won three MVPs by the way, when he retired, he was second all time in home runs to Babe Ruth. Uh, and he didn't, I mean, he played 20 seasons, but he started at age 17 was his first season, uh, which is crazy. I'm looking at baseball reference, by the way, if anybody wants to go look it up, uh, he hit 325 for his career as a power hitter. Um, just, absolutely amazing numbers what do you think about Jimmy Fox
1: yeah and one of one of his more interesting cards is his diamond stars because he's actually pictured as a catcher like he started off as a catcher yeah and uh, yeah Jimmy Fox just incredible power hitter like um, you you know you won't pick this up on a lot of like the the different cards but like you can pick you can pick this up on like some of the postcards of him and just like photographs like how big his arms were like he was a bulked up guy like he looked like he could play in the modern era like just as far as his physique mm-hmm so, yeah, and what I, I love, love about
0: uh, uh, the 40 play ball for example is it's a playing days card so is this 41 play play ball you know so you know it's like hey you can go get cards of these guys. And we're telling you this because relatively speaking, relative to the gravity of their careers, pretty cheap. Yeah. Right. Um, Most of the guys we're talking about have T206 cards and stuff like that. So uh, learn about the players.
1: Maybe that'll interest you to get some cards. That's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Um, um, if, If his playing career doesn't do it for you, like Tom Hanks character in a league of their own is actually modeled after Jimmy Fox. So. That's right. That's a good point. Um, cool. Okay. Who's your next guy? So the next guy that I thought of, and he's actually a hall of famer, but he's kind of like, he's one of those guys that to me is a little bit overshadowed. Cause I think he's like, he should be like more towards the top top. And that's Mel Ott. Hmm. Um, totally agree. If you have baseball reference pulled up, like check out how, like, he's another guy. I think he started, he was, was he 16 or 17 when he started? 17. 17, yeah. But like, he had some crazy years. Crazy years with the Giants. Yeah. 500
0: home runs. Played his whole career with the New York Giants under John McGraw. Um, just, yeah. Mel Ott, 511 home runs. Uh, he was more of a consistent hitter. Like Fox had a 58 home run season, you know, uh, Ott wasn't that guy. His most was 42 in a season uh, in 1929 when he was 20 years old. Imagine a 20-year-old that here's his line for the year. 42 home runs, uh, 138 runs scored. By the way, this is only in 154-game season, right? So keep that in mind too uh 151 rbis 151 RB, that's almost an rbi a game and walked 113 times and hit 328 as a 20 year old that's
1: a pretty good year for a 20 year old <laughs> right and like you said that he wasn't like he was more of a consistent home run here which it kind of like he kind of followed that career path of like a hank Aaron, you know mm-hmm. where and he never had like just that one massive home run season but he was good all the time like really really good all the time
0: and he, he still led the league in home runs six times so it's not like he wasn't a prolific power hitter but and oh by the way as a 20 year old he only struck out 38 times in 675 plate appearances
1: that's pretty incredible <laughs> 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 I just, like, when, when you look at some of these guys' stats and you look at, like, especially the hitters and you look at their strikeout totals, it really makes me wish that I could have been at some of those games because you just feel like the ball would have constantly been in play. Yes. It would just yeah. seem like it would have been an exciting brand of baseball.
0: Well, there were definitely some pitchers that could strike some guys out, right? I mean – yeah. But so it wasn't that strikeouts didn't happen; it's more that the good players did the basic fundamentals: put bat on ball. Yeah, okay. that's yeah for sure. That's pretty much it. Um, okay, my next guy and is a guy I don't. Well, no, I do have a card of him right here. It's a forty-play ball. There's a few guys I want to talk about that don't. How about George Sisler? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that man could hit.
0: The dude could hit. He was unfortunate. He played for a pretty crappy franchise um, for a lot of his career, uh, the St. Louis Browns. But um, would help if I could. This I'm pulling him up
1: on Baseball Reference. Well, it's, his best year was like he hit what four oh seven, maybe four twenty. Four twenty. <laughs> In
0: 1922, he won the MVP that year. Shocker he hit 407 one year
1: I mean 407 was an off year for him my bad
0: right yeah (laughs) um he hit uh let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen seasons of his fifteen he hit over 300. uh that's not too bad
1: that's not bad not bad at all and i think for some of these guys like the reason maybe they don't get as much hobby love is because you have to really do some research and digging if you want to find cards of some of these guys because you know there wasn't tops and bowman back then a lot of these cards were like candy cards tobacco cards stuff like that um
0: strip so cards weird. yeah strip yeah.
1: cards little little bit more obscure stuff and But if you do the research and dig in on some of this stuff, like it's pretty cool. And I've really started looking more lately at some of the different postcards. Like I used to be opposed to like anything that wasn't just like the standard size of a card. But some of the photography on some of those postcards is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, totally gorgeous. Uh, 1922, he was 29 years old, which is kind of prime. Uh, He hit 420. He only struck out 14 times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's pretty good. 246 hits. He held the record for a long time of single season hit record, right? Until Ichiro broke it. Uh, He had 257 hits in 1920, which is just bonkers. And hopefully these numbers are just, you're just going, what? I never, maybe again, maybe you never knew about this stuff. I don't know, but uh my next guy was George Schisler. I think he's, and he's got some, I don't, he didn't have T206s. Uh, his first year was 1915. So that's a problem with like Schisler, right? He doesn't have
1: a ton He has of like things. some, some of the American caramel sets from like 1921, 22. Yeah. Um, but what else does he have? I'm sure he has like, he has several different strip cards, postcards. Um, Trying to think, probably like Nielsen's chocolate. Maybe he he might be in that set. Like, and one thing that you'll know, you'll notice when you start digging into some of these sets is like, there's a lot of these different sets that use the same photo. So, it's really important to kind of understand what you're actually looking at too when you find a card because there's a lot of them that'll have similar, if not the exact same photo. Exactly. Okay, who's your next guy? Um, let's go with Lefty Grove, another pitcher. I mean, pitchers are just kind of underappreciated in general, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, we have plenty of that. We'll dog on all pitchers, but
1: yeah, not back then. They were a different breed, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, tons of complete games, shutouts. Uh, you know, he played for an amazing team, Connie Max A's. Yeah, like just tremendous, and you know, he's got some really classic licking cards. There's the DeLong, the US Caramel, um the George C Miller which is a set that I love. Um yeah, Tattoo Orbit, I believe he's in that one as well, Diamond Stars, of course the Gowdies. So there's there's a decent amount of of choices from Lefty. What do you think about him? Uh
0: incredible.
1: Um he won
0: almost 70% of his decisions. He was 300 and 141. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, he won exactly 300 games. He was an MVP, which for pitchers back then was very difficult. Uh, but he did go 31 and four that year. So that with a 206 ERA. <laughs> That's not bad. Not bad. 27 complete games. We won't see 27 complete games in
1: the entire major leagues all season this season. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. But And oddly enough, like I was just talking to, um, to Michael about this earlier because, you know, he collects Shane McClanahan and he's having to have Tommy John surgery. And it's amazing, like these guys that pitched all these innings and, you know, shorter rotations, all that, and they didn't have near the arm problems.
0: Right. <laughs> Shocker, right? Yeah. I, I mean – crazy. Uh, next up for me is the guy that I think is probably I don't know. I, I, the best ever at his position. And he's hardly ever ever talked about. And it's Rogers Hornsby and i got a card of his in that collection that i was kind of showing off the the magazines of and stuff but i had gotten a card of his and so it made me go learn more about rogers hornsby which prompted our discussion which prompted this this episode um i mean he's just if you look at his, st- his stuff it's his stats i mean he had a Career WAR of 127. <laughs> his career batting average was 358, which I think is <laughs> second all time to Cobb. Um, he played 23 seasons. Most of the last few years, he was a player manager, so he didn't, you know, um, kind of play full time. He was, you know, a role player kind of guy. But his time with the Cardinals. In the late in the teens and and throughout the twenties was unbelievable. He hit 400 three times, including 424. Um, and everybody's going to say, "Oh, it's a different game. It's you know, this and that." And he was a power hitting second baseman before there were power hitting second basemen. He had a season where he hit 42 home runs as a second wow. base.
1: And then what was his batting average that year? 401 just <laughs> <Good boy. laughs> if you imagine somebody with that kind of power hitting 400 also that's and playing second, base, playing second base yeah
0: which wasn't even now isn't considered you know you have the occasional Robinson Cano guys or I'm trying to think of Joe Morgan kind of second baseman with a little bit of power yeah um, Jeff Kent is a guy that comes to mind for me from my childhood who was like that um Hornsby was best ever, I think, at his position, in my opinion.
1: Um, just Yeah, crazy how stat. many MVPs did he win? I'm not even sure. Two. Two. Two MVPs. Not too bad. Yeah, that's pretty
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty darn good. That's pretty good. Uh, I don't have any crazy stories about Hornsby. I wish I did.
1: I mean, he was just kind of like, from my understanding, he was just kind of like a professional, right? Just a professional hitter. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, and there may be some wild, crazy stories about him out there, but I haven't I haven't really heard too many of those.
0: Yeah, he finished with twenty nine hundred and thirty hits, so pretty close to to um, three thousand. Uh, and again, he played twenty three years, but really. The last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The last eight were very part-time.
1: Yeah. Now, I have heard that he was pretty strict as a manager. That would make sense.
0: Uh, Probably the Ted Williams syndrome, right? Ted Williams was a pretty terrible manager because he expected everybody to hit like Ted Williams. and That's just not a fair comparison, right? Yeah, it's pretty tough. Pretty tough. <laughs> Pretty
1: tough.
0: Hey, we want you to be like me. I mean, he had a under 500 winning percentage as a manager, so yeah, he wasn't crazy successful. He did win a world championship with the 1926 Cardinals. Um, he was managing them, by the way, at 30, age 30. <laughs> he was their manager. For the world Series.
1: Another thing that would never happen today.
0: Right. <laughs> it's just a cool story. We think it's crazy that Otani plays both ways. Can you imagine a player manager today? Is no. there any players you can think of that would be even close to equipped to do that? Uh, and certainly not. Like, imagine Mike Trout being the player manager of the Angels. They'd probably be
1: a better team, <laughs> but not. Yeah, not off the top of my head. Like the the one guy that I. I could have actually pictured him doing this a couple of years ago. He's actually the manager now, is David Ross, when he was yeah. still with the Cubs. I think he probably could have done it. Good obviously not the player that Hornsby was.
0: <laughs> yeah, but guys like AJ Hinch, you know, they were always yeah. kind of being groomed to become, you know, uh,
1: managers. You yeah. If you were going to have somebody do that today, it would be more likely like a backup catcher or something. It's not going to be like your best player. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but that was true. Hornsby was their best player. Oh, yeah. And he managed the team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, no That's pressure, good. but we're going to no ask you to pressure. be the best player and manage the team. <laughs> uh, All
0: right. Who's your next guy?
1: Uh, the next one for me, it's, it's got to be Tris Speaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, tremendous hitter, but a lot of people may or may not know he was, you know, one of the best defensive center fielders back then as well. Um, so, what it, what is his WAR? Do you have that handy there where you can look it up?
0: One thirty four point nine.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there are there like we both know some people that collect tris speaker a little bit but i think as far as like the mainstream hobby goes like even people that collect pre-war probably he's probably not one of the top collected guys i would say yeah (laughs) and you were you were with me when i actually picked this card up strip card here yeah i was and then do you have his uh do you have his play ball uh, he does not have a play ball, at least that I found here. I was gonna pull him. Yeah, he he has one. It's a just horrendous looking headshot of him. Okay, I'm looking. I've got all the Hall of Famers, so
0: if he's in the forty play ball, I'll have it. Oh, I got it. You're right. Yeah. This is pretty horrendous looking. Um, <laughs> hey i'm tris speaker <laughs> Look at that. yeah if you're watching on video you can i have this in a five and a half good grief that's a nice card yeah
1: um but yeah tremendous player um i think was his highest batting average was it 390 is that right let's see or, or did he hit over 400 i can't remember he did not he hit 386 383
0: 388 380 389 okay so right around there terrible See, i mean like don't even bother it's terrible yeah
1: but but yeah he was he was known to be just tremendously tremendous on defense as well as you know a big time hitter obviously he played very
0: shallow that was his yeah kind of hallmark and it, he was trying to rob line drives of the middle and and shallow you know little cans of corn that drop in but he had such tremendous speed that he could, you know, he wasn't worried about the ball getting hit over his head. And it, of course, some guys did hit it over his head, but he he saved way more hits by playing shallow than he cost his team in, you know, getting hit o- hit over his head. He only struck out 393 times in his entire 22 season career. That's two seasons for Aaron judge. Is three not no three seasons maybe for Aaron Judge right?
1: Yeah, maybe. Well, probably not three seasons. Probably two. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and I mean it's definitely two seasons for some players that are. Yeah, there's there's guys that strike out close to two hundred times in season.
0: (laughs) Speaker still holds the major league record for career doubles.
1: Yeah, that's
0: and he stole a lot of bases too. He did. He had seasons uh, – his biggest season was 52 stolen bases. Um, in all fairness, he did get caught 28 times, which is a lot. Uh, but
1: that he was, was wrong. a lot. These guys, like, hey, these guys weren't perfect, let's be honest. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But uh, you got to appreciate the- – he was, he was a risk taker, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Playing shallow, he doesn't mind getting caught stealing a bag. Pretty exciting player, I would say
0: yeah he was and he was great for two different teams boston and cleveland Um, he was actually a player manager as well he started his managing career at the ripe old age of 31 years old (laughs) Um, he won the world series at 32 in 1920.
1: that's pretty strong not too bad not too shabby. Yeah, he, he of course has, you know, cards in the fourteen, fifteen Cracker Jack. Uh, of course the T206. He has some pretty cool postcards.
0: Yeah. Um you got T205s, T207s, you know, yeah. there's a lot of different Trist Speaker cards, which is great.
1: Yeah, if you want to see some really cool Trist Speakers, go to Andrew Nuff said card his channel. He he collects him. And he's got some pretty yeah. Pretty good ones. I know he has a really sweet cracker jack.
0: Okay, how many have we done so far? Seven. That seems right. Okay. I'm gonna go to my next guy. Harry Heilman.
1: Now that Every- is one people are not gonna know.
0: Yeah, most people that are watching this or, or listening to this are gonna say, Who is Harry Heilman? It's H E I L M A double N at the end of his name. Harry Howman. Here's his 1940 play ball card. And Harry Howman suffered from the Ty Cobb syndrome. He played his career with the Detroit Tigers, predominantly, and was in you know came up after Ty Cobb was already a superstar. So he any, he and he didn't he wasn't a great hitter his first few seasons. He hit in the two eighties, which Again now would be would maybe win you a batting title but back then uh again it was a different game we're acknowledging that we get that but when he turned you know in his mid20s started getting through his mid-20s he hit 394 356 403 346 393 367 398 he won uh four batting titles in an era when it was dominated by Ty Cobb right And playing in the same outfield, can you imagine having Harry Howman and Ty Cobb in your outfield? It's
1: just nuts. Um, So, like, I'm just trying to figure out the timeline here. So, did he come like after Sam Crawford was gone, basically? Uh, so wahoo, Sam.
0: Um, Howman started in his first season was 1914, but. He really became a full-time player in 1916. Okay. Sam Crawford finished in 1917. Yeah.
1: So so they kind of like...
0: Overlapped each other. And they both played right field. So that that would make sense that his road to the major leagues was uh, blocked by Sam Crawford, who was another all-time great, by the way, that we probably won't even mention. Uh, But Sam Crawford no joke of a player either so and they both pretty good teammates <laughs> yeah and with him <laughs> no it doubt there, basically uh howman went into the Hall of Fame let's see what year it was 1952 and he retired in 30 so 32 1932 this is last season. It, it's kind of weird. These players, as great as they were, there was such a backlog, you know, in the early, you know, 15 years or so of hall of fame voting that some of these guys that now would be like, no doubt first ballot guys didn't get in until 10 years after 20, in this case, 20 years after he retired.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you look back at the early, early years of the hall of fame, because, there hadn't really been like certain statistical thresholds that had been established yet. Right. Like when they first started this up, like, you know, 500 home run club, you know, 3000 hits, 300 wins. Those were not things yet at that point.
0: Because the clubs were very exclusive. <laughs> there were only a few players. Yeah. Who was the first player to get 3000 hits? Cap Anson, I guess. I think
1: so. I think so too. So yeah, these milestones, like in real time, people didn't actually realize how big and important some of them were. I mean, there's some of them, I think, like Babe Ruth, like with the home runs, and stuff like that. I think people probably knew that was pretty special, but some of these other ones, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It would be interesting to know how those were viewed, like in real time back then.
0: That's a good point. I mean, if you think about baseball had been around a while, but. 20 years of a career or whatever you had to get some distance from that to look back and go, yeah, 3000 hits for a career is a lot. That's <laughs> right. I do. You know, I don't know that, you know, that in the twenties and thirties. No, I, I wouldn't yeah. think you would. Yeah. That's a great point. I did not I, I haven't ever thought about that, that, Hey, these guys were hitting milestones, creating milestones, right? Essentially they were setting the benchmark of, wow, what's a spectacular career look like? Well, 3000 hits seems to be pretty hard to do. <laughs> you know, 300 yeah. wins is is significant. <laughs> you know, these different like you said milestone accomplishments. It's a great point,
1: Andy. I've never even thought about that. Like Cy Young, like <laughs> with all of those wins at that time, they probably thought, "Oh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that get close." Right. <laughs> <laughs> or little even they know. <laughs> you had such a great
0: era of young, we mentioned Grover Cleveland, Walter Johnson, who won over 400 games himself, Christy Matthewson, right. So you had this era of these amazing dead ball pitchers and that still were pitching at an amazing level, even through the kind of boom of baseball in the early 20s when, oh, home runs are a thing, you know, ballparks got smaller, balls got wound tighter home run started getting hit more often uh, the dead ball era was over the pitchers still there were still some pretty dominant pitchers that we mentioned we're not even talking about like carl hubble a pitcher like that you know that we're not even gonna probably talk about today but see yeah. there's so much for you guys to go learn it's so cool i'm telling you
1: so, okay uh, for the yeah, last so you, like think... you like my
0: harry Howman. you like my harry Howman
1: choice i like harry Howman. yeah The the last guy for me, and he's not so much of like you know, I don't even know if I don't know if this guy's even underrated in the hobby, but he just has he has a lot of really cool cards. And it's Eddie Collins. Mm. Um so So underrated. he He was a little bit different of a guy than a lot of the players that we have talked about as far as like he was more of a a good person very disciplined not a drinker you know stuff like that so he he was kind of like the guy that he was kind of like when he was on a team he was kind of like the guy that tried to like keep people in line and the players didn't like him a lot of times for that reason but incredible career um you know of course he was with the athletics a lot of years and then famously with the the black Sox during the, you know, their big scandal. Um, what pull up some of his numbers really quick and let's, I've got
0: it. Um, yeah. Big stolen base guy, 741. I bet he was probably second to
1: Cobb when he retired would be my guess. I would think so. I can't think of anybody yeah I wonder where does he rank right now in stolen bases all time he's got to be he's still pretty high let's find out that's the cool thing about baseball
0: reference by the way he won one two three four six world championships <laughs> a yeah he
1: was he was kind of like and I know people are going to get mad but he was a little bit like Derek Jeter Derek Jeter <laughs> is that who you were thinking too yeah
0: he's 13th all the by the way Eddie Collins sneaky 13th wins above replacement all time. For his career. Thirteen. Yeah,
1: like, he was one of those guys, like maybe he's not gonna blow you away with his stats as much as some of these guys, but he was a winner.
0: <laughs> um, what'd you ask me to look up?
1: Where'd oh, was I was going? curious as to like where he is on the all time stolen base list. So oh, that's today. right. Stolen bases. That's what you asked me about. He's got to be up there pretty high. Sorry, I got
0: I got caught up in uh he's eighth all time. Okay. And I, I thought he would actually
1: still be higher, but. That's still pretty good.
0: Looks like he was third or so when he retired. Billy Hamilton, Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah. And people, it's funny that there is, you know, another Billy Hamilton that came along, you know, in recent times that was also known as a speedster, but that poor guy just couldn't get on base. Yeah, (laughs) could not.
0: (laughs) When he could get on base, he stole a lot, but it took him a while. Um Oh, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Collins is a great one. Hard autograph too, by the way. Eddie Collins is uh, because did he, he did he
1: pass away pretty
0: young or he died in 1951 at the age of 63, so okay. he wasn't young, young, but you know it was still he's I don't I just don't know that he signed a lot. He he's a tough auto. Do you
1: have an Eddie Collins?
0: I do. Okay, I have one, and it's not cheap. Was not cheap. But he was, it took him four ballots to get into the Hall of
1: Fame. Well, I mean, he, like I said, he wasn't necessarily well liked. <laughs>
0: and, uh, you know, he was. Yeah. yeah, he got in in 39 on the fourth on the fourth ballot of the Hall of Fame. He's in the fourth class, which is still pretty darn cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where are we at? I think we're on our last guy. And if we're not, we're probably boring everybody to death. So we'll we'll finish up with this one. Uh, we're <laughs> having fun, anyways. And it's one of the guys that has one of the kind of most famous uh, cards in the '30s, and that's Larry Knapp Lajoye, and it's pronounced Lajoye. Everybody, Lajoue, or the, I, I hear it all kinds of different ways, but yeah, Nap Lajoye. <laughs> Uh, inducted in 1937 so second class right all-time and he's well-known here's his 40 play ball by the way Matt Blasier but Napoleon Larry Napoleon Lageway, he signed his name Larry Lashway, ironically so I, I have an autograph of his again not a not a cheaper easy one to find not a power guy but man this guy just got on base 3243 hits uh, he actually played in the 1890s, so he's kind of probably our earliest guy. Uh, but he hit 426 in 1901. Played for the A's, then the Cleveland Indians for a long time. I'm not going to call them the Guardians because back then they were the Indians. And uh, yeah, 338 for his career. His career WAR is 107. So pretty amazing ball player.
1: And if you want to talk about some of his cards, like you you brought up the, the Gaudi. And so this is, I've always thought about this. So his his 33 Gaudi, they call it a 33 Gaudi. It's actually a 34 card. Like the design of it is from the 34 Gaudi and they didn't release it until then as well. But, and I haven't, you know, I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but I would venture to say that that card there's probably not many more of that card than there is the, the T206 Wagner. Wagner. And it's kind of it's kind of funny because they were kind of similar yeah. type of players as well. Like same kind of style, you know, not big home run hitters. I, I've just always kind of thought that was kind of fascinating that the the two big, you know, like short printed chase cards from that time period were two guys that were. Big time Hall of Famers, pretty similar type guys. And uh I think he was he was also famously kind of involved in a race for the batting title with Ty Cobb that yep. one year, and they were they were doing it for a car. Like that's what you got for winning the battle, batting title was a car.
0: <laughs> yep. And I think Lajway won. I'm gonna probably mess this up, but One of the guys won, but then when they went back later and looked, it should have been the other guy because a game was counted twice.
1: Yeah, I I think it was Lajue that won. And if my memory is correct, whoever they were playing the last game of the season, they kind of let him get hits because they hated Ty Cobb so much. They wanted him to win the car.
0: And then they ended up both getting cars out of the deal.
1: Yeah, because I think ultimately Ty Cobb, after they redid everything and checked the stats again, I think he ultimately won that. But, yeah. And, I mean, can you just imagine something like that today? That's
0: – That would be a scandal of all scandals, letting a guy – we hate this other guy, so we're going to let you win. We want you to win the batting title. How how great is that? He still won five batting titles. Like Yeah. And career average just three thirty-eight, you know, uh, just impressive, impressive all the way around. Um, and you know, a lot of these guys, they lost time to world war one. You know, it wasn't like they didn't have world events circulating around them and things they had to deal with. So I just hope that, I mean, what do you want people to
1: get out of this at the end of this? Now that we're kind of through going through the players, I mean, like, <sighs> Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that these guys' cards are undervalued. But what I hope happens is, like, that people will look at some of these. If you're a fan of baseball, I think it's important to know a little bit about the history of baseball. And some of these guys are very important to the history of baseball. Like, you you don't get to where we are today in baseball without these guys having come before them. And uh, – I just encourage people to go look at some, if nothing else, read up on some of the stories about these guys. Even if you decide not to buy any of their cards, I mean, it's incredible, but I mean, I think the stories of the cards themselves are pretty incredible too. Once you dig into that, but first learn a little bit about the players. And uh, I I think it's time well spent.
0: Yeah. Especially if you're a fan of that franchise that that player might've played for and, you know, if you want to kind of go deep into the weeds, knock yourself out, but it, it's it is part of the history. It's a great part of the history of the game. And it's told great through cards. I mean, there that's the whole thing about the connecting of cards and the history of the game, right? So yeah. That's I think it for us tonight. Uh Andy, thanks so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. It was, it was a lot of fun just to kind of, and you know, like, uh, I mean, I'm not like the biggest expert on some of these guys, but it was a lot of fun just to talk about them and, you know, share what little I know.
0: <laughs> well, same here. Uh, it's definitely an area that I need to get better at and want to, and I'm excited about learning more and more and more over time. That's the great thing about the hobby. You're all, we're always all learning and it's so much fun to do that. So till next time, guys, we'll talk to you soon and keep collecting.